In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. This is the first Sunday of Hatur, and the readings have to do with the effect that the gospel message has on our lives. In fact, um, we read the same gospel today and next week, actually, today from the gospel according to St. Luke, and next Sunday from the gospel according to St. Matthew, but it's the same parable that we focus on. That's how important this parable is, you know, the importance of the effect of the gospel on our lives. So to summarize today's parable of the righteous sower, after a large multitude of people gathered together, he began this parable saying that the sower or the farmer went out to sow or to plant his seeds. Some, and they fell on four different grounds. Some fell by the wayside on the roads that are um, surrounding the farm. And the birds ate the seeds because the roads were, were very compacted. Some fell on rocks so that there were no chance for the roots to deepen so the plant couldn't grow to maturity. Some fell among thorns and that choked the plant when it began to grow and the plant withered because it had no room to grow. And then finally the fourth place that the seeds fell where some fell on good ground and the plant was able to mature and yield plenty of fruit. In the four scenarios, only one was successful. Then our Lord cried out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And, or in other words, the, the person who has the ability to perceive, let him embrace the truth behind the parable. The disciples struggled, however, to understand this parable, and they asked for the meaning. They went aside privately with Christ, and they asked the Lord to explain it. And we're all familiar with the story that the sower, of course, is the Lord himself who plants his seed, and the seed is the word of God that he plants abundantly and liberally to everybody. He notes four locations where the word of God landed, but only one scenario was successful. The, um, the one that fell on good ground, it sprang up and gave a crop a hundredfold. And it was the same batch of seeds, though. It was the same batch of seeds that was given to these different environments. But the results were different in each case. The three parts perish uh, for different reasons, and one part thrived. Each had the same seed and had the potential to thrive and yield a crop a hundred times more than itself, but only one of the four locations thrived. So that's the summary of the story. In this parable, we see a lot about the qualities of God himself and a lot about the qualities of the messages that he sends us. In the parable, the seed is the word of God, as our Lord says, or the message of the gospel. And the word gospel means good news. The, the word gospel has a, good, a message of good news to us. So if anybody were to ask you, what is the good news of your Christianity? What is the gospel of your Christianity? Hopefully, we're, we're all able to answer that question. We're all able to answer what that good news is. Both the Old Testament and the New Testament expresses this good news. The words and messages that our Lord gives, the words that remind us of who we are and how we're to have a blessed life, and are, these words are generously sprinkled upon the earth. And our Lord doesn't send His words to a specific people. The message of Christianity is universal. It's Catholic, the word Catholic with a small c, not Roman Catholic, but Catholic. That's what the word Catholic means. It's universal. It's for all people in all places, for all time, for all nationalities, and for all cultures. It's an open invitation to all of humanity to be His children and to be part of God's chosen people. 
I was reading recently, uh, I don't know if any of you have heard of the Pew Research Organization, but they put out uh, they put out annual reports about religion, and you know they have this one uh, study that they did about the geographic um, uh, distribution of all the different religions. It's dated 2020, so it's not too long ago. It shows that other religions, for example, are most dominant in the places of their origin. Hinduism in India, Buddhism in the Asia-Pacific area, Islam in, in Asia-Pacific in the Middle East, of course, it's dominant, and Judaism now more in the Middle East than in any other place. And those who aren't looking towards, uh, you know, and, you know, like they, they, you know, they basically thrive in, in Israel, but like it's, they're scattered everywhere as well, but like mostly in Israel. But Christianity is different, and when you look at the geographic distribution of Christianity, it's divided remarkably and very interestingly among all the geographic regions. The Trinitarian Christianity, when you consider all of the branches of Christianity, which is Orthodox and Protestants and Roman Catholics, has approximately 2.4 billion followers, and it's still the major religion in the world. And when you look at how those 2.4 billion are spread, it's pretty well distributed throughout the world because the message, of course, is to everybody. In North America, 11.6% of all Christians live in, uh, all Christians in the world live in North America. In Latin America and the Caribbean, about 24.6%. In Europe, about 22.5%. In the Sub-Saharan Africa area, 27.3% of all Christians live there. And in Asia Pacific, about 13.4%. Pretty well distributed. But what's interesting in this, in the Middle East, in the place of its origin, it has, of the, of the, of the uh, 2.4 billion, about 15 million Christians. 0.6%, less than 1% of all Christians reside in the area of its origin in the Middle East. And of course, those 15 million, who are most of them? The Coptic Orthodox Church, right? And so it's very interesting that Christianity is spread you know, pretty evenly throughout the world except in its place of its origin. That means it's not tied to a specific culture, it's not tied to a specific type of people, but it's open for everybody. And as it says in Malachi chapter 1, this is prophesied about, from the rising of the sun even to its going down from east to west. My name shall be great among the Gentiles, and every place incense shall be offered to my name, and a pure offering. For my name shall be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. In every place incense shall be offered. So here we are offering incense and an offering in San Diego, California in 2023, right? I mean, this prophecy is amazing that it shows that the message of Christianity does appeal and is meant for everybody. But in the, real, in the place of its origin, it's only 0.6%. And it's even less than that, of course, when you consider that in the country of its origin, in Israel, it's a lot less than that. There's hardly Christians there at this present time. We may wish to visit the holy sites in Israel and in Egypt where Christ walked, but in, Christ, in the Christian time of grace, which we're living in now, we know, as he told the Samaritan woman, the hour is coming, when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father, you worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. 
And this is the beauty of the message of the gospel, that we can be here in San Diego, California, the, the southerly most church in the diocese, of course, and worship the Father in spirit and in truth equally. And the, one, the only place where, where we actually have to look, if we have to look to a place, we look to the heavenly Jerusalem where Christ reigns as king. So like in today's story, the seed has been sprinkled everywhere. The, speed, the, the seed, which is the word of God, the gospel message, has been sprinkled throughout the earth. And our Lord Jesus Christ sends his gospel, making no distinction, but simply and indifferently, he throws his seed in every land. He also doesn't make a distinction between rich and poor, between the wise and the unwise, the lazy or the diligent, the brave or the cowardly, but gives it to everyone equally. The word of God is spread and is cast like a farmer casting his seeds everywhere. And what a vivid image that Christ gives us. God sends his saving message to everyone and the results are, of course, up to the ones who receive it. Some respond or ignore it. Uh, this this reveals the quality this uh, reveals the quality of God's words right God's words is effectively reaching everyone, but it it um, doesn't impose on us, right God's words don't impose on us it doesn't force us, even though the message at times is harsh and and truthful to us right and that truthfulness sometimes is harsh but it's up to us in the end it doesn't impose itself it's up to us to take it effect in our life and to take root in our life or not three of the four places where the seeds were cast were lost that means most of the time the words of God go unnoticed go ignored even by the so-called people of God we sometimes don't give the word of God the place that it deserves in our lives and you notice three of the four led to destruction because the way to the destruction is not just one path, but the way to destruction, the devil gives us many paths, many ways to destroy ourselves. Like, for example, the, the wayside, the, the, the seeds that fell on the wayside, those are the stubborn, indifferent, or careless kind of people. But those on the rock fell from a type of weakness because they don't have... Uh, any kind of root in themselves. So when the going gets tough, they kind of abandon their faith. The sower knows this, of course. The sower who's planting the seeds knows that most of the time his words will not bear fruit, but he throws the seeds anyways. He knows this. Some of the rich would receive the gospel, but have them choked by their love of riches. Nevertheless, the sower gives him the words. Some of the superficial and shallow people receive it and easily betray God when the going gets rough because of their lack of depth in their faith and their lack of love in their faith. He gave this parable to give hope to the apostles also. So he gives uh, this message to those who would receive the gospel so that their conscience can, can you, know, you know, be aware that there are many ways to destruction, but we should follow the one way to success. But he also gives it to the apostles, those who would follow, who would also become sowers among the world, <clears throat> that in their service of the gospel, the message may be received by just a few. We read about this in the book of Acts. We see St. Paul preaching, and only a handful would receive him. And these handful, of course, became the church. And many, and, uh, and many uh, you know, rejected and persecuted even St. Paul. We see that amazingly. But may we all be members of those few who hear God's words and give it value and priority in our life. But Christ foreknew this, that this would be the case, 
and he sows anyways, and teaching us to be also like-minded in our individual experiences in life, whether at work or at school, some of you in college, or uh, in any sphere of life, even among some of our family members. We may be the one holding the Word of God and planting it you know, generously among those around us, but it's rejected by most people, and that is usually the case. But that one or two people that do accept it those can be the fruit that yields a hundredfold. Everyone has the potential to accept the message of the gospel, so we don't make distinction. Just like our Lord Jesus Christ didn't make distinction, we give the word of God to everyone. Though not everyone lives up to the potential, everyone has the potential. So God keeps sowing the seeds generously, and we respond sometimes, and others we don't. So in all cases, God is not at fault, we are if we don't respond to the, to the words that he gives us. He also says this parable to ignite the listener's conscience, as we said. We often try to put ourselves in one of these four categories. You know, am I the one who, like, uh, uh, that doesn't have deep roots in the church so that if persecution happens, I will quickly stumble? Am I the one who allows the cares of this world to choke the word so that it cannot grow? And we try to fit ourselves in all four of these. And the truth is, uh, we are in all four in different times of our lives. Sometimes we bear fruit. Sometimes we're on the good ground where the Word of God comes into our life and we're moved to, by the Holy Spirit, of course, and to, do, you know, to live up to the, what the Word of God is telling us to do. Sometimes the Word of God is of no effect, though, because of the condition of our heart at that time. So this parable is to remind us to always try to be in that fourth category, that successful one. Not being shallow in our faith, not letting the love of the world choke its fruit, and not betraying the words we hear when the going gets tough. But to have depth and understanding, enduring and faithful, and having our hope in the message of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is a solid hope that we place our hope in. So let's listen to this amazing parable and try not to find ourselves in the three failing categories, but in the successful one that bears fruits. The failing ones being distracted and busy with everything in our life more than God and giving no time for scripture and no time for a relationship with him. And that could be any one of us. In, in our busy Southern California life, we know that it's difficult sometimes to find and to carve out time in our busy day for our Lord. But that's something we have to do proactively. It's not something that happens accidentally. We have to you know, force the issue. And number two, the second way to destruction was uh, to be shallow in our faith. So there are many who go to church and are shallow uh, and because they fail to encounter Christ, they come to church for social reasons. They come to work for. They come to church for fellowship, which is good, of course, but that's not the main reason. Or they come. You, you hear it, right? Like I'll send my kids to this church or that church because, not because they'll encounter Christ, but because oh, there's friends there for my children, or because I have people there that I know, or without saying anything, because I have some business transactions I have to do with other people. Those are all fine and has its place in, in, in its own time and place. But like when it comes down to the real reason for going to church, which is to truly encounter Christ, that is not the decision that drives us, right? That's not the cause of our driving. Um, but we try to, you know, to be distracted. Even in church, we can be distracted, let alone in our, our life outside of church. 
And the third one, he says, and he focuses a lot about this throughout the Gospels, is the love of money. Not that you have money, not that you're rich, but the love of richness, the deceitfulness of riches, and to put our hope in riches. These things, of course, uh, lead to destruction because we put them in our heart and displaces everything else that God wants us to focus on, which is, of course, our saving relationship with Him. So let's be in that fourth category, keeping close to us the things that the Bible and the church teaches us to always remember. Our Lord is merciful and always wanting us to be on this good ground. Next week, we'll read from the Gospel of St. Matthew, which elaborates what kind of fruit it is. It says that some seeds fell on the ground, some yielded a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some only thirtyfold. Right? And, and you guys can imagine this if you, anyone who has ever planted something in your backyard or whatever, that even the smallest of seeds will grow and they'll yield much more seeds, right? Like some, one seed can maybe yield a uh, hundred seeds, right? A hundredfold or thirtyfold or sixtyfold, right? And it's pretty amazing that from one seed that the thing can grow. Like we have a little mint. Uh, plant in our backyard quickly like one little mint leaf uh, one little mint plant spread quickly right now there's a hundred fold of mint in the backyard and it smells great right and so and you put it in tea and, and enjoy it but like those kind of things are uh, that's what the word of God is but what's interesting is that God accepts even the smallest of efforts he doesn't require the same measure of virtue from each person but accepts what we give him some hundred fold some 60-fold, some 30-fold. So that though, you know, there are, though there are many paths to destruction, only one path to God, and God is aware, and He accepts the smallest of things. You know? So don't, don't be afraid to start our relationship with Him because He will accept us no matter what. But the right path, the straight and narrow path, though it's the only path, is easy to walk when we find Christ welcoming and accepting us. No matter what we have to give him, he will welcome and accept us. So may we all regard his instructions in the gospel as priorities in our lives. Among the many myriad of priorities in our lives, may the gospel be one of them. Deepening our roots in our faith, cleansing our desires from the worldly things that tear us away from the heavenly things, and have spiritual fruits in our life. And the good Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, will see our good fruits and the seed that he planted and rejoice in us, to whom be glory forever. Amen.